do you ever feel like there's this big black cloud kind of hanging over your head sometimes? You're always worried. You're, you're waiting for the next shoe to drop. You're, you're fearful. It's almost like you're, you're walking on eggshells everywhere you go. You try to pass it off as concern, but it's really worry. You're fearful. You're scared. You may even say in your mind a more antiseptic clinical term like I'm going through some anxiety right now. But put it in a crucible and what it boils down to is you're scared. It's fear. Under this black cloud you doubt. Your mind tells you these are just simple misgivings. This is just a little apprehension. But you have your doubts. And they scare you. And you may even wonder if you even believe anymore. And hey, the Bible is pretty hard to understand in places, right? I mean, you, you don't understand it all and you, you, you find yourself trying to understand it and you get tired of reading and you get tired of studying it. It's just so tiresome sometimes living this Christian life. You want to know what your problem is? You want to know what your problem is? If you find out what the problem is, will you do anything about it? Why does this black cloud hover over your head at times? Let me tell you what the black cloud is. This cloud of worry or this cloud of fear, or this cloud of doubt, this, this cloud of misunderstanding or, or being misunderstood. Let me tell you what it is. Let me tell you what your problem is. I'm going to tell you with the words of Jesus. I'm going to tell you just how Jesus told those who were worried, those who were afraid those who doubted, those who misunderstood. Let me use the words of Jesus to tell you what your problem is. Are you worried? Oh, you of little faith. Are you scared? Oh, you of little faith. Do you doubt? Oh, you of little faith. Do you misunderstand sometimes? Oh, you of little faith. Matthew records four times where Jesus uses this expression. The first is in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30. And the whole context surrounding this statement is worry. Verse 25, don't worry about your life. 
Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you'll drink. Don't worry about what what you'll wear. Life is more than these, Jesus is preaching to them. But we do, don't we? We worry all the time, don't we? Seems to be no end. Verse 28, why? Don't you think God will take care of you, you beautiful child? Don't you think He will? You know, on average, fear focuses on things that will never happen 40% of the time. 30% we focus on things that can't be changed. 12% of the time we focus on what people criticize us for. Really, only about 8% of the time do we really focus on things that we can truly worry about. You worry all the time. And for some of you, it's crippling. God, look, look, if God takes care of the flowers, verse 30, and the birds... Don't you understand He will take care of you of little faith? What can you do about this this worry? You have faith, but it's little. It's little faith. What can you do about this worry? This worry, you've, you've got to do something about it. Now, some of you may be worrying that you're worrying. But you can do something about it if, if you've got little faith. Matthew chapter 8. Jesus and his disciples were going across the sea. A great storm blew and the waves, verse 24, covered the boat. Jesus was asleep, verse 25, and the disciples, in knowledge, in desperation... They turned to the only one that could save them. You do that too, don't you? You do that too. You're afraid. Is it with knowledge? Is it with desperation that you turn to the only one that can save you? The whole context of this passage is, is fear. When you're afraid, really scared, do you turn to Jesus knowing He can help, help you or is it out of desperation? When you're afraid, Jesus answers verse 26, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Fear, one, one writer said, is a is a wrong use of imagination. So many times we anticipate the worst, not the best, right? Before the advent of cell phones, a, a salesman a salesman was driving on a dark country road in the middle of a rainstorm and he had a flat tire. In the middle of that rainstorm, rain was just coming down, dark as it could be, no flashlight. He opens up the trunk, no lug wrench. Man. And he sees off in the distance a farmhouse, a light. 
And so he starts walking in the dark. He's tripping. He's wet. And he starts thinking as he's walking, he's thinking, I'm going to wake these people up in the middle of the night. And they're not going to be happy with me waking them up in the middle of the night. In fact, I'm probably going to knock on the door and this farmer's going to be really angry. He's really going to yell at me. when I, You know, the more he talked, the more he thought about this, the angrier he got. How dare that farmer treat me that way? How dare he do that? I mean, all it is is a lug wrench. Can't he, can he give me a lug wrench? So he gets up to the farmhouse and he knocks on the door really loud and he hears a, hears a voice of, who is it? And he says, you, you know exactly who it is. It's me. And I wouldn't borrow your lug wrench if it was the last one on earth. That's what we do sometimes, don't we? We let our imaginations run away with us. And we become fearful over things we shouldn't even be afraid of. We've got to watch our attitudes when we get afraid. The present presence of fear means that love is not around. First John chapter 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love, John writes. Perfect love casts out fear. I had a conversation with one of you. I won't name who it is. I had a conversation with one of you this past week and you reminded me of something that sometimes he calms the storm and sometimes he calms the child, doesn't he? Those who are afraid all the time have not been made perfect in love. First John chapter 4, verse 17, it's been perfected in us so that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. But so many doubt, so many doubt. Some Christians I know even doubt their salvation. Matthew records in Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. In your handout, I put 21. It's a typo. It's 31. He records in Matthew chapter 31, Matthew does another near fatal boating accident. At least that's probably how Peter felt. The, the wind and the waves, they were tough again. And the disciples, they were, they were afraid again. And, and just Peter, his friend Jesus, was walking on the water. And just Peter wanted to go out there too. You know, how many times did this, this fisherman who had lived on the water wanted to do this? To be able to walk on the water. Verse 29, Jesus said, come. And when Peter got out there... He got scared, and he he started to sink. But he knew who to turn to. He said, Lord, save me. And Jesus, what was his answer? It says immediately he grabbed him. You know, I can can picture myself, you know, my daddy when I was a little boy. I can still see this in the swimming pool uh, in... uh, He would throw me into the air. Have y'all ever done that to your child? Throw him into the air... And they land, but I didn't know how to swim, you know. And, but he was right there to grab me, you know. I can see that with Jesus and Peter sinking. And Jesus is, is, is right there to grab him. He said, verse 31, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter had little faith. But it caused him to go want to go and walk on water. Peter had little faith. 
But it caused him to be able to cry out to the only one who could save him. Little faith. It's not so bad. It's all right to be little bitty, the song says, right? But that doesn't make doubt okay. That didn't make doubt okay. Just because your faith is small, that didn't make doubt okay. A doubtful attitude is not a godly attitude. A doubtful attitude is a sinful attitude. In Romans chapter 14 verse 25, Paul lays down some some deep Christian principles to pursue peaceful things. And those who doubt what God has made pure is condemned because it's not from faith. He says, whatever is not from faith is a sin. You see, even with little faith, Jesus was surprised that Peter doubted. Look, if, if Jesus look, look, if Jesus were to come back right now, if he were to come back right now, would you go to heaven? I, 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 I don't know. That's the answer you get from a lot of people. That's the answer you get from a lot of Christians. I, I don't know. Why do you doubt? Oh, you of little faith. If you don't know, you need to make sure. First John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, You can know you have eternal life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, You can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. You know, when I pray, I like to pray. I like to ask God to keep the evil one away, to keep doubt, fear, and despair away. Because they're so crippling. So devastating to your life. Do you understand? Do you understand? You see, that's the problem. That's the problem a lot of times. There are so many misunderstandings. Misunderstanding is the context of Matthew chapter eight, uh, 16, verse 8. Jesus fusses at the Pharisees. He calls them a wicked and adulterous generation. Verse 5, now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Verse 6, then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And the disciples totally misunderstand what Jesus is saying. They totally misunderstood Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse, verse 32, He said in John chapter 8, verse 32, You shall know a misunderstanding, and the misunderstanding will set you free. Is that what He said? No. He said, You shall know a lie, and the lie will set you free. No, that's not what He said. What did He say? Let me tell you the truth. He, he said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Back to Matthew 16, verse 7. They reasoned, Jesus said, about the Pharisees and Sadducees because they had taken no bread with them to eat. They just 
They, they missed it. Verse 8, Jesus was aware of what they were saying. He said, you guys are so silly. No, that's not what he said. He said, don't you remember the baskets? Don't you remember the bread? Don't you remember the fish? Don't you remember all the people and the feeding of the people? Don't you remember all of that? Why do you misunderstand me? Verse 11, how is it that you do not understand? How is it that you don't understand? How is it that you don't understand Mark chapter 16, verse 16? He who believes and is baptized will be saved. How do you miss that? How is it you don't understand Matthew chapter 19, verse 9? Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. How do you miss that? People do it every day in our society. Why is it so hard to understand 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6? We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly, disorderly and not according to the tradition he received from us. What's to misunderstand about that? What's to misunderstand about Revelation 21, verse 8? The cowardly, that would include the chronic worrier, that would include the, the, the fear-filled, that would include the doubter, The cowardly, and don't misunderstand, the cowardly, those with with no backbone, are put on the same grade as the faithless, murderers, Revelation 21.8, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. All shall have their part in the lake lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Are you worried that's you? Are you afraid it is? Do you doubt that you could ever measure up? Don't don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. Oh, you of little faith. At least you have enough faith. Little faith? Why, if we had faith as big as a mustard seed, we could do mighty things. We could move mountains. If you worry, if you're afraid, if you doubt, if you don't understand everything, what can you do about it? What can you do? If you have little faith, that's a start. If you have little faith, as Doug's been singing, if you have little faith, you don't need to lose it. You need to make it bigger. And you can do even more. How do you have bigger faith? How do you get more faith? How do you increase your faith, oh, you of little faith? Well, Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing funny stories. No, it's not what it says. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Hear with understanding the Word of God and apply it to your life. Faith originates 
it says in Romans, in the heart. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, and yields to God's will. Romans 10, verse 16. Our faith then is made of two very important and undeniable and unshakable elements. Without these two elements, you can try to go around them, but you will never have faith like God wants you. Your, your, your attempts at faith will be in vain. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by doing. The foolishness of preaching, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, is what the foolishness of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, chose to tell of the foolishness of the cross. Well, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, those who are dying. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. The gospel, the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's power to save you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Do you want more faith? Don't forsake the assembly. You want more faith? Listen to godly preaching anywhere you can. CDs, TV, Bible classes. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Read like the noble Bereans. Study to show yourself approved unto God. But don't just hear. Always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Okay? Don't just hear. Do. Faith without works is not just little, it's dead. James chapter 2, verse 17. We need to worship our God every time we can. We need to be evangelizing our friends, our co-workers, our, our family. And not worry about what they think about us. Or feel fearful of what they'll say about us. Or, or doubt the power of the gospel to save, Romans 1, 16. But telling them about Jesus anyway because, well, the time is short. Jesus Christ can come back at any time and we love them and we don't want them left behind. We must visit, call, write cards, whatever. We, we must work for the night is coming when, when no one can work. Look. Faith, real faith is needed. Faith is necessary for eternal life, John 3.16. And you can't please God without faith, Hebrews 11 verse 6. And this means that you and me, we must yield to His will. We must yield to the will of God. It can't be about us. It's got to be about Him. If we just had the faith of a teeny tiny mustard seed, we could do so much. If we just had little faith, our little faith, that needs to be enough today to banish the worry, to have a backbone, be heroic. 
If you have a doubt about your salvation, if you think you may have misunderstood some time ago, be sure. The black cloud, it'll roll away. That's a promise. If you know you need to be baptized, don't be worried. Don't be afraid. Oh, you of little faith, push the doubt aside and understand what the will of the Lord is in your life. Come right now. as together.